Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap today. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong. And after a vacation well deserved and looking like he might need another one, <laughs> Jeff Howie. The markets strate- were that bad. Weren't the they? markets were that bad. Strategic <laughs> analyst at STX. I'm sorry, I'm looking across <laughs> at Jeff Howie and he looks like he's been pulling his hair out. Well, there's been so much happening. We've been watching everything this week because obviously we started the week very differently to the way we've ended, Clarissa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I mean, obviously the, the focus today is on Donald Trump and mm-hmm. the uh, pending fresh 10% tariffs on the remaining 300 US billion dollars of uh, Chinese imports, which caveat wouldn't come into effect for another month. Mm-hmm. And a lot can happen in a month. And as you say, it could be 25. It, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also why people are not wasting any time trying to price this into the markets, which is why you're seeing markets all pulling back at the moment. Interestingly enough, uh, the South China Morning Post had an interesting article today that claimed the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin wanted to warn China about mm. this as, a, as like a gentleman's agreement. Like, hey, just to let you guys know, we were going to be doing this. You're not caught off guard. And apparently Trump said, nope, we're not going to even warn them. We're just going to do, we're just going to pull the trigger apparently or something like that. So, And I read that he, he immediately went to Twitter yes. while the guys were still in the office. Yeah, well, I mean, that is his weapon of choice, right? Trump uh, Trump tariffs and Twitter, basically. The, the three I, I've terrible said this, keys I've said this for the before. markets. I will say it again, somebody needs to get President Trump on the golf course more often without his phone. Well, I think that's the only way we're going to distract him because I don't know who can tell the leader of the free world, quote unquote, leader of the free world, that, hey, we're going to take your phone and keep you off of Twitter. He doesn't seem give like a Give him a Huawei. Gonna, give him a Huawei, probably. That way China would know. You need, anyway, so going back to this whole thing, right? Mm. I mean, you're seeing this pullback. And again, it's a bit topsy-turvy because it also happened about 24 hours after the U.S. Federal Reserve said, yes, we're going to be cutting rates and we're mm-hmm. going to make, it's going to be a mid-cycle adjustment. Those were the words of of Jerome Powell, that, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's exactly, uh, that was the first question that came to him five minutes into that press conference. It was Gina Smilek from the New York Times. She basically asked, is, there, is 25 basis point cuts enough and put in the context of inflation though? But he ended that question saying, we're thinking this is an essentially uh, a mid-cycle adjustment to the policy. And then there was a chap uh, that did, where it got compounded was a little further into the press conference, about 30 minutes into it, Marty Krutzinger, who's, uh, you know, with Associated Press, he basically said, is this the start of a series? Is it three or four cuts possibly this year, mm-hmm. and that's what the market was it was wanted to was see. Wanted to see. It yeah. was it, it wanted a dovish statement with room for more cuts, and he said no. He let me be clear. That's uh, we're not talking about a long series of rate cuts. To quote him, he said, "You know, I I think if you look back at the other mid cycle adjustments, you'll see." You know, there's there's other things that suggest that what you're going to see is it's not like that. We're not. This is not the first of many. He said it's not the beginning of a long series, um, long series of break cuts, yeah. and that was the line mm-hmm. that really got got the market riled. So I think uh, the other thing, and there's another interesting article that came out today. They pointed out that well, somewhere the language too, he said hinted that if issues and geopolitical tensions and trade get even worse, then there is a chance we might pull the trigger. So Which there's a possible have. that that yeah. Trump said, "Oh well, if that's the case, then let let's me just push it along. Let's give let's... you let's give you a little bit of a nudge there." But I think the other question, that, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Jeff, too, is like the mandate of the Federal Reserve again is to maintain make sure that un- employment is stable in mm-hmm. the U.S. and at low levels, and also inflation is within the top policy range. So 
Is the market's sentiment or the market's whims and wishes actually supposed to be taken into consideration by the Fed? Or should they just look at it as an indicator, possibly? Well, it's more a function, and and Jerome Powell reiterated this a few times in that hour, that it's not so much the market, it's more the corporations that they're speaking to. It's the fact that their outlook is cloudy, it's muddy, and hence they're not inclined to spend so much in capital expenditure. And it means also companies have to put up their provisions. So we've had three banks report this week as well, and you did see DBS report its numbers. Uh, I think the... Um, there was a 17% inc- jump in net income, I think. Yeah, tw- yeah, well, 12%, I think, net profit year on year at $3.25 billion mm-hmm. for the half, for the, yeah, for the for the first half, which is, again, a record. Mm-hmm. All three reported record numbers for the first half. But in that, there was... Uh, DBS also had to increase some financial provisions due to the economic uncertainty relating to the trade tensions. And, of course, that um, Jerome Powell was saying in his press conference, this is new territory for the Fed as well. Mm-hmm. To, a, to the extent that it's not so much a rate cut on the back of US inflation or US growth, it's more on the impact that the trade tensions are having on the US. So I guess the good news is that a lot of the economic uncertainty we're facing here in the Singapore companies is directly related to the rationale between the thinking of the Fed Reserve at the moment. Just to highlight exactly how volatile it's got in here, shifting away from equity markets, one asset you might want to look at or currency look at is the Japanese yen today. Mm-hmm. And over the last 48 hours, they've been through quite the roller coaster at the moment. So after the Fed decided, said, yes, we're going to do a 25 basis point cut, we saw the yen actually weaken against the US dollar because a lot of folks were thinking, well, if this is a hawkish rate cut, mm-hmm. then there is no reason to sell off on the US dollar so much. So we saw the yen weaken to about 109 spot 25 against the US dollar. Right. And overnight uh, after that Trump tweet, and it has now fallen to 107 spot one. Mm-hmm. So you've mm-hmm. seen it actually just, uh, just uh, weaken and then suddenly this flight to safety strengthening the yen. And also it's one of the reasons why the Nikkei 225 is arguably the worst performer in the region. I think they're neck and neck with the Hang Seng at the moment, down by about 2.2%. So despite the fact the STI or the Straits Times Index is seeing losses of almost 20 points, it's not as bad as we're seeing out there. But ne- nevertheless, it's uh, it's still a red picture and everyone's getting pulled down. Just some peop- just some folks are getting it, getting hammered even worse, such as the Nikkei and the Hang Seng today. Well, also with the, the trade disputes now between Japan and Korea, mm-hmm. that can't help their markets. And absolutely. And I think... Uh, Today also is another moment of truth where Korea will be taken off of that whitelist mm. for Japan, where they will see minimum tariffs. And again, this also raises the uh, issues that we're seeing at the moment uh, in the space. And we're going to have to watch out for some of these big semiconductor producers, electronics producers out in South Korea that depend on some of these items from Japan. Of course, both sides continue to, I guess, escalate the tension. The Japanese officials have said this is not uh, this is not meant to damage the relationship, but I can't see how it doesn't. You know, it's yeah. uh, those are I, such sweet words. No, it's not meant to and it, damage the relationship. Yes, and it also happens very, as a number of uh, smartphone makers, electronics appliance makers, and microchip makers have reported that they are seeing signs of a bottoming out with regards to the downturn. Mm-hmm. We saw Samsung actually say that they're starting to see micro, their inventory starting to sh- starting to come down a bit more. We're seeing Apple actually beating expectations mm-hmm. and saying, you know, it's mm-hmm. actually looking like a lot better now. Taiwan Semiconductor, the same thing. In fact, when you come even here, to when you come to back to Singapore, Hypey just the other day released earnings also. And while it was mostly driven by cost control measures. Mm-hmm. Hypey, being one of these electronics makers that has some exposure to the trade war, they actually saw a second quarter net income rise by almost 17%. Right. And mostly because, again, they were smart enough to say, look, we're not going to wait for things to get better. We're going to start uh, tightening the belt. We're going to start managing our expenses, which I think also highlights that, yes, if you're a manufacturer at the moment, there is some upside moving moving forward, but now is not the time to slack off. Now is the time to... Re- you, you, you 
there's no time to waste, pretty much. The, that cost-cutting and making sure your operations are tight and spotless, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and and that, it matters, and Hypey's just, de- just demonstrated that over the last three months. And, yeah, and we saw that stock pretty much consolidate on mm-hmm. its gains in the month of July. Uh, it's basically up around 60% in the year to, in the first seven months of the year, and we saw uh, consistent institutional net inflow into that stock as well. You know, uh, another $4 million in July after $18 million net inflow in the first half of 2019. And then there's AEM Holdings as well, which was one of the stars in the month of July. Very strong last week, actually. It, it, yeah, well. it was. Up 5% and, in so many days. And it's surprising that they were one of the 10 most heavily traded stocks on the entire SGX, despite the fact that they're not on the STI even. So a lot of interest actually coming mm-hmm. towards AEM over the last couple of trading days, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a $300 million market cap stock. So that puts it in the top 200 by capitalization. But in terms of day-to-day turnover, I think it was uh, just outside the top 20 last month and within the top 30 for the first half of this year. And it does have that global market presence in the context of what you're saying with South Korea and Japan and Mm -hmm. so forth. I guess the difference with this stock is that it has that global market presence. It has four manufacturing plants. One is, you know, they have them in Singapore, you have them in Penang, China, Finland. And basically it's been reporting throughout the course of the year that its sales orders have been increasing. I think the most recent report was sales orders for this financial year were at uh, 255 million. That's up from 110 million at the end of last year. And it expects its uh, full year revenue to be between 265 million and 280 million. And that's in the context, I guess, of um, FY18 revenue, which was 262 million. And then the preceding year, which was around 222 million. So it's gradually increasing to, um, its revenue, and that's through providing its advanced testing solutions in precision components right. and, and so forth. And keep in mind, too, that uh, one of their key uh, customers is Intel, which also reported very good earnings mm-hmm. and earnings figures mm-hmm. and said that, you know, we th- actually think that the sales forecast this year is going to be better than we expected. And stark contrast also to how they started the year saying, you know, it doesn't look so good at the moment. We might be in for a drab year. It seems that the mood in Intel has sh- shifted. And if they are predicting more demand for some of their products, these guys are going to need some, ch- uh, uh, some testing equipment to help them with some of the expansion. And that also benefits some of their suppliers, such as AEM. Hypey, for one, also has uh, the fact that Apple is also looking a lot more optimistic over the last couple of weeks. And this could also benefit them since they are also, they count Apple as one of their major customers also. So sentiment-driven is good. But then uh, if you have these tariffs coming in, if you have the continued elevated economic spat, for lack of a better term, between South Korea Mm -hmm. and Japan, how does this change the game pretty much for everyone else? And just when you're starting to see signs of light at the end of the tunnel... Right. Could this actually start to... Because Apple's going to get smacked by these additional they, they, tariffs. They, they're very much so. I mean, yep. they, they are also caught on the crossfire between mm-hmm. U.S. and China also. So it isn't just Chinese companies that might be affected. American companies themselves mm. would, would, you know, see fallout from, if anybody from these additional tariffs. anybody who pretty much tariffs. hasn't been able to diversify their mm-hmm. supply chains out, uh, as far away or within safe distance from the U.S. and China's uh, go ongoing tension and just try to get it out of there, they they will get caught front and center. But a lot of co- companies have started to diversify outside mm-hmm. of... Uh, we, I spoke to uh, Patrick Chang of Principal Asset Management in Kuala Lumpur. He actually mm-hmm. said that a lot of companies are starting to diversify their factories out to Malaysia. They're starting to notice a pickup of that also. And and whoever can do that will also need financing, which is where UOB comes in. They've actually said that they, the, the strategy this year is to try to deepen their exposure and provide financing to the greater ASEAN region who, who might benefit from these shifts, right? 
Right. And, and we, we have plenty of examples in our stock market of companies that aren't so related to the ongoing trade tensions and continue to expand. Right. Uh, Sheng Siong Group reported this week as well. Mm. It, mm-hmm. it, it reported for the second quarter. Its numbers were up 8% and it is committed to expanding its retail network. It's currently looking for areas where it doesn't have space and it's increased the store count up to 57. So there's defensive play that did really come into effect, particularly last year, as a defensive play when the uh, trade tensions really took hold of well, the markets. Well, Sheng definitely one to watch. I mean, there are boss I think, I just think cons- won an award. I think construction here is, 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 a, is a bit of a sleeper industry because whenever you look at the dismal PMI or industrial output figures, they always point out, okay, it was the biomedical guys, the pharma guys, and if there's one sector that's showing signs of at least staying stable or some growth, it's the construction sector. Now, the folks at Fitch think that this might actually take a bit of a step back or start to slow down a bit next year. But so far, if there's one place that might be showing signs of potential or showing signs of better report cards, it's the construction sector so far in Singapore. So Shenzhen is, is poised to benefit from that, as, as are some of the other construction firms. But of course, you've got to check their financial statements and make sure they are healthy as a company before you before you bring in the industry trends. Okay, so moving forward, as an investor, that all these worrying trade talks and everything, if they're looking for safe havens, are they still the same places? Are they still the REITs? Are they, is it time to be looking at sleepers like the construction industry? Should they be looking at food? I mean, they're obviously concerned. They're obviously thinking, yeah, well, of course, what do I do now? I think the first question is always, when you look at a sector, and there are some sectors that are growing, you ask yourself if there's liquidity in those sectors. Mm-hmm. So off the top of my head, very encouraging uh, reports also from Fitch looking at the biomedical device sector here, the pharmaceutical sector. They're actually growing jobs. We've actually talked about this over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. These areas uh, tend to uh, tend to show a lot of promise that might that's also hinting at perhaps a shifting or an evolution in the Singaporean manufacturing space towards these higher end, higher value items that also benefit from the fact that no matter what happens, people need medicine, especially aging populations like Singapore and, right. and, and other developed countries. These areas might might prove to be uh, places where you might continue to see sustained growth, or if they do take on a hit, it's not going to be as bad as some other sectors. And I think and I think dividends and defensiveness is going to be still be the. I think pretty much you're going to call 2019 the year of defense. No all one's right. going. No one's going to be. It's all going to be culture year. <laughs> and we did. And we did see institutions book some of the profit that they made on the REITs mm-hmm. in the month of July ahead of uh, obviously there's the big Trump tweets last mm-hmm. night, and that uh, basically saw quite a bit more activity in mm-hmm. the REITs mm-hmm. as well as Singtel. We saw uh, Singtel trade considerably more volume in the month of July sure. versus the first half of this year. So uh, Wilmar International Thai Beverage as well have been some examples of mm-hmm. consumer-like plays that have been uh, relatively uh, interesting to the investors in the month of July, and we'll see if that continues in the month of August. So in the week ahead, do we have big reporting coming up that we're expecting and looking forward to? Let me pull up my little calendar yeah, here. Well, first, gentlemen, pull up your calendars. <laughs> <laughs> first, num- Yeah, well, first number's PMI, obviously, in Singapore. Sure. That, that's been declining throughout the course of the year, both on a broad manufacturing basis as well as the electronics. So we're pretty interested to see that mm-hmm. tonight, particularly given, remember the month of July was slightly different because it basically began right after that G20 summit. And after that G20 summit, you had some pretty good resolution, I suppose, from the trade tensions. Mm-hmm. So that was for all for the month of July. So it'll be interesting to see if that had any impact on those numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of, uh, we also have retail sales coming out on Thursday, okay. right before we break for National Day. And then we're going to wrap up earnings season here, pretty much Capital Land, uh, City Development, mm-hmm. Singtel, and UOL. So it's going to be a very property-heavy day on Thursday here And those in are some important reports. Some of the most important reports also happening on Thursday is China's trade balance. So we want to see how that's going to be impacted by And this if any more tweets come out from and that. And if any more tweets ha- come out 
from here and then. I think it's, it's also because President Trump has already uh, gotten a whiff of, oh, so China's economy is starting to slow down. That must be because of my tariffs. So let's keep on putting some pressure on them. Mm. And this could also just uh, stoke him to try to move forward and do that. And uh, just a lot of different earnings uh, releases also coming out. HSBC, for one, in, out in Hong Kong and London, they're going to be releasing their earnings release on Monday also. They'll be followed by the likes of, well, I believe the RBA is actually going to be deciding as well next week. So a lot of things. <laughs> it's, it's still going to be busy. It's week, not, but it's not going to be news. as busy as this week. But nevertheless, the markets are not going to be sleeping You that almost deeply. jinxed us right there, JP, <laughs> by saying it's not going to be as busy. <laughs> but I did say it's not going to be busy as this week. This, this week was kind of a big one, actually. Oh, Trade talks was, and three was, policy decisions. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this has been Market View Wrap with JP Ong, our weekly guest. And we always love having him. Jeff Howie, strategic analyst from the SGX. I'm Clarissa Montero. Now, just so you know, because it is National Day next week, there will be no Market Wrap. And then we're all on vacation the following Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so it will be a JP-less, jo- Jeff and Clarissa-less Market View Wrap. That's our the, gift to you, people. That's yeah. our gift to you. A little piece for you for the next couple of weeks. Happy birthday, Singapore, in advance. <laughs> in advance. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.